Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Elizabeth Barnett-Lawton, and I am Pillar President for Education at the British Beauty Council. I will be interviewing some of the industry's most inspiring talent for our Careers Insights podcast series. After many years as a magazine journalist and a university lecturer, it has always been having the opportunity to interview thought leaders, celebrities and entrepreneurs that has been a highlight of my career. I'm just as fascinated today in speaking to the great minds and personalities behind industry figures as I was reading about them as a student. A shared experience from someone who has made it in their chosen field can make all the difference to someone looking for a route to a fulfilling career. This is why the British Beauty Council's education pillar are providing special access into the careers of inspirational beauty industry leaders exclusively to our members. Whether you're a student or perhaps someone who's been working for many years and is thinking of a career change, we think our Careers Insights podcast series featuring some of the UK's best talent could be the vital boost to your dreams and motivation. For me, and I hope for you too, the podcast series is a fascinating insight into the lives of some of Britain's biggest beauty success stories. Welcome to the show. This week, as part of British Science Week, we will be interviewing Sam Farmer, cosmetic scientist and owner of the eponymous unisex personal care range for teenagers. Sam had a career in television before becoming a stay-at-home dad to bring up his children. Shopping for personal care products for them when they became teenagers, he discovered shelves of stereotypically gendered packaging. And having seen those pink provocatively packaged products aimed at girls and macho graphite grey stuff intended for boys, he left the store determined to do something about it which led to a major midlife career change. And it's an inspiring story. And I can't wait to chat to Sam about his very personal journey to retrain as a cosmetic scientist and ultimately launch his own successful brand of gender neutral products. And what's more, they can be used by anyone, not just teenagers, because they're no nonsense and effective. And the formulations are based on science, not marketing. And you can get them from his website and Space and K. Sam served three years on the Council of Society of Cosmetic Scientists, chaired the SCS Scrub Up on Science Schools Education Committee, and is the founder of the influential Cosmetic Information Network. Please listen to the podcast with Sam Farmer to hear his fascinating story. Your story is really interesting, I think, to many of our listeners, um, because you entered the beauty industry later in life. Not only are you a man, but you entered it kind of like, halfway through your career um, and it was a complete change from your from your previous one Um, and there's many people now of course seeking career change I think particularly in midlife it almost seems like 40 years in one career is just too much of a good thing Um, so talk me through how how this complete turnaround happened and were there sort of many moments of self-reflection on a second career or was it just something that struck you suddenly it was, uh, as you say, I was working in television um, and, and climbing the ranks, climbing the ladders to assistant producer. And then we had, my wife and I had our second child and uh, my wife's an actress, um, uh, Caroline Quentin, and she was getting very busy in the late 90s, early noughties. And we came to the realisation that who was going to look after two children under five at home? And uh, I, it just... I just really wanted to do it. So that was the decision that we came to. It was right for us at the time. And I spent the next 
13 years just at home sort of supporting Caroline and, and being there looking after the kids. And then the career change, I suppose, I wasn't looking for it. Uh, but when my children reached that age where they needed um, just basic personal care products, they're going to secondary school. Their ultimate fear is not smelling at school. Um, you're the stay at home parent. They ask you, please get me a deodorant. I just, you know, I need to be secure in that, in that way. And when I go to school, I don't have to think about it. And and uh, it was on a shopping trip to the supermarket, and it's the way that I saw products marketed to uh, young people at probably the, one of the most vulnerable times in their lives, both mentally, emotionally, physically. Uh, that um, incensed me to think I have to do something about this, and that was the moment that I thought I need a career change, and 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 that's how it all came about. So how did you actually plan what you were going to do? You've, you've had that experience of going to the supermarket or whatever, looking at all the, those pink bottles and with sometimes yeah. in, inappropriate marketing that, you know, maybe you don't want your, your daughter to be having, you know, because you start needing a deodorant at about 10 or 11 yeah. and they look like they're for teenagers, don't they? A lot of these. Yeah. Products. And, you know, the, the first thing you notice is we're gender segregated in something as simple as a deodorant. And and I thought uh, that a deodorant was a deodorant. I, I didn't realise that you, had, you know you had a different deodorant for girls' armpits and different for boys' armpits. And and, and what it transpires is, in fact, like uh, cosmetic products, you you have a cosmetic product that will do the job on the skin, and it's irrelevant. Your gender is irrelevant. It's it's your skin type, and it's what the product's designed for, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So that that was the sort of the first. Um, red flag for me and then the names of the products this is my 11 year old daughter and I was a stay-at-home dad and I'd always brought my son and daughter up to be equals and treated them uh, very equally and gave them the same opportunities and the products for my daughter were called Minx, Tease, uh, Be Sinful, uh, Submit and for my uh, 12, 13 year old son they were all black and steel and they were called Adrenaline, Force, Power, Control and actually, when you put those two together, even though as young people, they, they, they may not read too much into that, but it's all subliminal. And suddenly, if their bedrooms are surrounded in products that are giving them these messages and these colours and these images uh, that we use as an industry at that time. Uh, and the more I read into the teenage brain and, and how we are developing, the brain doesn't stop growing, as we used to think, uh, sort of naught to ten. Actually, you continue to grow. The brain continues to develop until your early 20s. So that time is hugely important to you uh, as an individual. And it just seemed completely wrong when they were looking to our industry to actually help them. They just didn't want to have body odour at school. They didn't want to have greasy hair, you know, oily skin. Just They just wanted products to do the job and so they could get on with you know, it's hard enough as it is as a teenager to get through the day without, you know, somebody trying to hammer in their own agenda and tell you who to be or how you should behave. Um, slightly gone off track there, but but it was a very it, it entered into a very complex area and has um, led me not only into cosmetics and formulation and cosmetic chemistry and science, but it's also led me into reading books by people like Professor. Um, uh, um, Sarah Jane Blankmore, who, who looks into the development of the teenage brain and 
bigger pictures such as Love Island, the Kardashians and and all that where our products are front and centre and how people make their money and how they want to be perceived and how they want people to perceive them. Um, and it's a huge topic. It's really interesting. And um, I was thrilled to sort of fall into it. It is. It's so interesting. And so what you've effectively sort of your plan was to strip away the marketing, but then boost the efficacy. Is that right? Did you did you did you have a plan of what you were going to do? And no. once you decided there was a gap, no plan. No plan. Once you I decided would... there was a gap in that teenage care offer, did you? What? No, <laughs> so there wasn't I, a plan. What I, did you, I, what I, did you yeah. do? I was a stay-at-home dad. I wasn't. I'm not a business. I wasn't a businessman. I had no uh, um, education in that area, and I was just so incensed by the injustice that was being done to uh, not only my son, but my daughter as well. They were both being um, uh, sort of manipulated. Um, I was so angry about it that I, I just said, just make a deodorant. Uh, and I was very, I'm a very practical person. I live on a farm. Uh, you have to be pretty practical when, you, when you're dealing with the kids. And uh, I couldn't sell something that I didn't know how to make. And I just Googled how to make a deodorant and discarding all the grim, horrible stuff that I saw with making your own cosmetics. I stumbled across the Society of Cosmetic Scientists and uh, fell in with um, a fantastic group of uh, very experienced, highly professional industry that took me and helped me. And uh, I enrolled on their cosmetic science diploma course and it all stemmed from that. But I, I didn't have a business plan. I, I, I honestly, I, I wasn't thinking about a business. I just wanted to, to give them an alternative to what was on the shelf. And yeah. uh, it, so you've it, really approached this actually with the best level of integrity possible. The, the highest amount of naivety. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I, as we all all think that an injustice is something that that really uh you can't escape from when when you see an injustice you can't walk away from it and it burns inside you until you've done something about it and it just happened to be deodorant for me so the people that helped you they were the people on the uh, the council for the society of cosmetic scientists is that right so you reached out to them initially so you sort of had a bit of a, a champion or a mentor in that organization to help you develop your first product is that right did yes. you start with one yes, yes. i started and, and i was matched up with a, a couple of formulators and um i th- they kept saying what about this ingredient what about that ingredient and, and i said i it, it, does it work is it efficacious is it the right ingredient and they were saying yes it is but at the moment the marketing and the misinformation out there people are not using it because of um, sort of fear, basically misunderstandings. And that seemed illogical to me. So then I said to them, use the most efficacious, the, the, the most proven ingredients for that age group to deal with that issue. I don't, I'm not interested in marketing. I don't care what anyone else thinks. Um, I'm now doing a science um, uh, diploma. So I have to, uh, stick with that and and that's what I believe in and I have to stay true to to what I believe in and that's science and evidence so it was a sort of freedom really and they quite enjoyed it as well so you really went back back to 
to school in a sense to re-educate yourself in an area and a field that you've never really been into? Yes, I mean, I had done sciences since school um, and I talked myself onto, you're meant to have a degree in one of the sciences, but I managed to talk myself onto the course and I threw myself into it. In fact, I hired a couple of my children's uh, teachers, tutors, to tutor me in uh, chemistry, biochemistry, a um, bit of physics um, and biology to help me uh, accelerate uh, and catch up with the learning that I needed to do. Um, wow, that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> that's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot to do, isn't it? You really have gone back to sort of square one. Yeah. while simultaneously developing products. That's right. Well, luckily, they, they were developing the products and they would come to me saying, can we do this? What are the parameters? Who's it for? What's it got to do? And meanwhile, I was trying to catch up with the knowledge by doing the course. Um, but it was hugely enjoyable. And, and going back to learning, I was 39, 40 years old. It, it, it sort of reignited something in me um, that I just loved. And I, and I wasn't that keen on the sciences at school. I was um, into the arts. But it just, it's, it just connected with something. And um, I, just, I just loved it. It opened up a whole world to me, which I'm hugely grateful for. I actually have this, this feeling, I've thought about it myself, that after you know, 20 years of working in, in the creative field, sometimes you become so uh, knowledgeable in that field that you, you start to want to find out about a field that you know nothing about. There's a kind of pull towards, it, it's a need for self-development in a way, isn't it? Completely, completely. And then when you surround yourself with some of the most uh, experienced and clever people in the industry, which uh, belong to the Society of Cosmetic Sciences, people have done PhDs in the in 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 the tiniest detail of one particular element of one particular thing. Um, you walk into a room full of these people, and it's an extraordinarily welcoming place. And I was not afraid to ask questions. That's another positive I think of going back to education when you're slightly older is that you sort of lose the the inhibitions that you have as a young person and I just ask questions or constantly ask questions and the scientific community is such a welcoming community that um, they were only too happy to sort of share their knowledge. That sounds wonderful and and can I ask what where you'd studied the course was it online or did you actually go into some an institution? it's it's half and half it's it's a lot of it is online but then you have lab days and you have weekends away uh where the lecturers come and uh, talk to you for the weekends and you have industry events so it's a good mixture it's a good half and half and is that organized uh in conjunction with the council of society of cosmetic scientists yes it, it's it's the society of cosmetic scientists diploma in cosmetic science um uh they also they, they there's also um a Bachelor of Science degree that you can do and a Master's degree that you can do, one at University College of Fashion in London and De Montfort University in Leicester. And I think there's one up in the Northeast and Liverpool uh, and Sunderland. I think, I think they're the main places yes. for, for, for cosmetic science. Yeah, oh, that's good. So people can look on, on the websites if they want to yeah. sort of find out more about that. Yeah. Um, so when you look back through your... Your, career, your second career, I guess, what are, what are the key moments that you would be most proud of, would you say? I think, I, I think the proudest moments um, would be when the products came out 
it suddenly got listed in a, in a retailer called Space NK. So from being nobody who didn't know anything, bringing out um, a product that was quite challenging in its message and was quite different. Uh, one of these retailers decided to put their trust in me and, and, and stock it. And, and that was, it was, I was very proud, quite shocked, but also that was quite a proud moment for me. Um, it is incredible. And also because there's such good price and you tend to think of Space and K as having very premium luxury, um, but they recognized the quality of your product, even though it was at, I mean, it must be one of their most affordable lines. Yes, it was, it was completely different. They don't do teenagers. They certainly don't do uh, products of that price level. Um, but the head buyer of Space NK at that time um, was a, a big champion of mine. And I'm still very good friends. I've become very good friends with her. And um, it was wonderful to, to meet, um, you know, like-minded people. And, and it's quite interesting when you bring a, a business uh, uh, to fruition and you meet somebody that says I know exactly what you're talking about I understand why you're doing it and I support you uh, was was fantastic um, I, I love that but I also love I think I'm quite I love being asked to do things I I, I you know I'm, I'm very honoured to be asked to talk to you and uh, I like being asked to do industry events I talked to in cosmetics in Paris a couple of years ago when we were allowed out um, and it was a very challenging talk on exactly what we're talking about in terms of the images and the messages and the responsibilities we have as business owners when we are talking to teenagers um, and, and how important it is to, to look beyond sales and actually delve into what you're doing and how you're doing it. And quite a few people stood up and walked out, which I was quite proud of because it was it's quite challenging and people don't want to hear it all the time. Um, is that but, people from big brands that walk? Yeah, out? yeah, yeah, yeah. Teenage brand. They're market-driven product development. Yeah, absolutely. Big, big, big brands that don't care about that. They care about the sales. Um, and I, you know, I, I love talking at events. I, I love being asked to do things and panels. Um, I'm, I, from from somebody who who retrained in. Uh, you know, to suddenly being able to 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 talk to people about it. And then I suppose the other element was being asked to sit on the Council of the Society of Cosmetic Sciences for three years was, um, uh, you know, hugely honoured to do that um, and sit with these brilliant people. Yeah, you must have really impressed them. Well, I, I don't know, um, but uh, I really enjoyed it. And it gives uh, that kind of integrity to everything that you're doing. And presumably it can keep you up to date with the latest things that are going on in science in terms of ingredients, because you're all about the efficacy, aren't you, with your products? Yeah, and, and challenging misinformation. It, it certainly keeps your feet to the ground because I can't be, as a brand owner, I'm in two camps. I can't shout about things that um, perhaps feed into the fear and the misinformation about some of the chemicals that we use uh, and then walk into a room of some of the highest qualified people in that industry um, you know, the PhDs, the lecturers, um, you know, I, I wouldn't be able to do that. I, I have to um, stay true to to actually what we sell, which is um, chemical formulations and educate on what words mean uh, when they are put out by brands to try and use fear to sell, uh, try and break that down a bit and challenge it and say, well, it's not black and white. You know, there's a big area of grey and actually that's the interesting part and let's delve into that element. 
So when you talk about fear, are you talking about, you mentioned an ingredient that, that triggered fear in the deodorant. Were you talking about aluminium? Well, that's, yeah. So I there's mean, a fear al- kind of conspiracy, yeah. which is not based in fact. Yeah, and it's also, it's aluminium salts we use. You know, there's not big clumps of metal floating around and, and short-chain parabens, parabens, you know, but they are what they're, they're esters of parahydroxybenzoic acid, you know, and the more you know about it, and there are short chains and long chains, and it's a huge area of chemistry, parabens. You can't just say parabens about, I mean, it doesn't make sense to a scientist. So the more you know, the more interesting it is and and that's the conversations we should be having by saying, oh, did you know that there are short chains, long chains? This is the difference. This is how this is why we use this. It's all about dose. It's all about risk and hazard. And, uh, you know, water can kill you just as much as anything else. Um, and, uh, you know, so and if you just breathe oxygen uh, for a long, long enough time, you'll die. So too much of anything will yeah. kill you. Yeah. And, yeah. It, and that's what's interesting. But unfortunately, it seems to be getting a little bit lost at the moment. But, mm. um, you know, it's, I suppose it's it's difficult to but it's about science communication. And, and yeah. that's another really interesting uh, aspect of, of the work. Yes, because everything is a chemical. But at the same time, that sure, I would think that the biggest sort of thing, uh, ingredient that's bad for us is fragrance. That would be the most volatile compound, wouldn't it? Fragrance. Well, uh, fragrance is only volatile because of the carrier liquid, which is um, ethanol, basically. Um, uh, and, and essential oils can uh, be a bit irritating. And nearly all the allergens that you have to list on the back of the pack for the re- regulations are mainly fragrance um, related. Um, but we use synthetic fragrance to try and eliminate some of that um, allerg- um, sensitivity. But then you use the word synthetic and people um, immediately think, oh no, I only want natural. And then you ask them what natural means, they don't really know because there's no definition in cosmetics. And, and so it's a huge sort of interesting conversation to have with people. Um, but, the, but one side of the industry tries to sell us products by demonizing the industry by saying the nasties no you know no nasties uh, this that and the other no synthetics blah 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 but the actual industry is a hundred percent chemical so what they're selling us is a hundred percent chemical but they're using terms like no nasties non-toxic which again doesn't really it doesn't mean anything so um uh, it it's it, it's it's a very difficult um area to talk to your consumer about because it's a very easy message to say uh, non-toxic uh you know vegan uh animal you know no, not testing and um, they're what they're cruelty free you know even though animal testing's been banned for decades it's you know it's full of interesting topics of conversation and in fact if something didn't have any parabens you'd be much more likely to get a skin infection from a bacteria in a cream or something wouldn't you yeah, and you, you use parabens in certain products. So a, a deodorant, uh, an antiperspirant, wouldn't have parabens in it anyway because the aluminium chlorohydrate, it would stop any microbial growth. Yeah. So deodorant, you know, antiperspirants that have no parabens on it, it's like saying no uh, bin bags in this deodorant. I mean, it's the same sort of nonsense. It does, it, you know, no bicycle tyres. It's like, well, of course there's no, and it's like um, cruelty-free. Well, of course it's not tested on animals. That's been illegal for years. So um, I think that um, stating the obvious on products can be quite uh, counterproductive. It's so interesting that you've gone slightly against the trend of independent brands. So independent beauty brands 
mainly seem to be going down the natural route. I don't know whether that's a sort of mix it up in your kitchen sort of approach. And yet you've gone the real science, like even more science, you know, like pure science in a way. Um, so what have been your uh, sort of biggest challenges, do you think, in this journey and having an independent brand when there are so many big competitors and loads and loads of emerging new brands sort of marketing themselves on social media and so on? How, how do you sort of carve out your niche and, you know, overcome the challenges? I think you just, uh, I try not to spend too much time on social media. I, 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 um, I sort of just blurt out opinions on Twitter and then don't look at it um, because you can find yourself trying to emulate or copy or uh, you think, why are they doing so well? I, you know, and then it starts to, you start to get a bit annoyed and, and, and things like that. You must just stay true to what you're doing and why you're doing it, because then that'll keep you on the right path. The minute you are diverted by what somebody else is doing um, is, is the moment you're going to fall, I, I think, because you have to you have to speak the truth, your truth. You just have to speak your truth. Um, uh, otherwise, you, you're not who you are, who you say you are, if you know what I mean, if you're a small brand. Um, and I've been doing this since I, you know, I was talking about um, gender segregation and sexual stereotyping and all that back in 2012, 2013. And it, it seems like only now is the conversation happening, you know, eight, eight years later, nine years later. Um, and if I'd have deviated from that, if I'd have gone, oh, I'm not sure about that. No one else is talking about that. Let's go down. I see this clean beauty things happening. Let's go down that route. I, I'd be without a business now because my integrity and my truth would have just dissipated. Um, so you, I think you just have to stay true to why you started in the first place. And I think that's such a, a good note to, to end our podcast interview on because speaking your truth and knowing the truth and having that integrity is the number one thing for anybody starting on any new path or journey in a career, isn't it? I believe so. I, I think otherwise, why are you doing it? Well, you know, what are you doing it for? If you're trying to join a bandwagon or a trend, you're only going to last as long as that trend or bandwagon. But if you're actually genuinely interested in something and you're trying to achieve a goal then um then you will get to that goal if you stay on your path that's right and it's, it actually takes a lot of time I'm sure you've put hours and hours you know more hours than you've ever ever put in in your te- in your television career probably doing this it's, it's a labor of love as well isn't it it takes so much time people forget how you know they they, they see the overnight stories and and they think that's how to do it. It, But if there was an easy way of doing something, we'd all be doing it. It takes years and years and years. And look at some of the brands that are just becoming a little bit more established now. They've been going for 15, 20 years. It's, it's, you just got to keep paddling. You've just got to keep moving forwards and um, uh, stay on your message. Keep, uh, keep going, just keep going. And eventually things will start to, uh, things will start to move thank you so much sam it's been so interesting to talk to you and i can't wait to listen listen to it back um thank you and uh hopefully we'll see you again soon a pleasure thank you so much elizabeth for listening to me ramble and rants about various (laughs) issues so thank you you're very welcome i hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as i did thank you for listening to our careers insights podcast Episodes are released bi-weekly onto the British Beauty Council member zone 
available to partner members, patrons and board members. You can also follow the British Beauty Council on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, TikTok and Clubhouse to stay updated with the latest news and insights. Or if you would like to contact us and find out more about becoming a member or patron, please email join me at britishbeautycouncil.com.